Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. I'm excited about this word. I'm excited to give it to you because the Lord has really set it hard and heavy on my heart. This is the next to last week of life and death. And today we're going to talk about sound. We're going to talk about sound. And so in review, if today's your first time, we're pumped up that you're here. Are we glad that guests are here, somebody? I felt like we might be a little bit more happy than that. So let me ask it one more time. Are we, are we excited that guests are here with us this morning? Praise the Lord. That's life. That's the sound of life, cheering and excitement. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 is where this series is coming from. And it says, death and life are in the power. Everybody say power. Power, that's where we're coming from today, the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit. And so today what I want to talk to you about is the power. I've got the power. The power of sound. It's dead in here today. That was funny. I see some of y'all looking like this. Just because it's spring break for the students doesn't mean that y'all get to be asleep. Wake up. We're going to make some sounds to wake you up in here. Everything in the world that is powerful, most of those things have a sound that precedes them. Are y'all with me? Is everybody awake? Most of the things have a sound. Whenever a jet, I love jets. It was my dream to fly fighter jets when I was a kid. There was a few things working against me. We won't go into those. I heard some laughs. I'm too big. I could have sat in the back seat like Goose. We got some old people in here that know about some Top Gun. Come on now. And then that was probably not the worst thing that I had because we had a little GPA problem in high school. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. So the Air Force Academy wasn't knocking my door down, but that's beside the point. But I just love the power of it. I love to watch. I've seen the people that fly for the first time, and they always have the puke bag because it's so powerful. And so I don't want that part, but everything else looks amazing, and I, the G's, and I love roller coasters, and I love all of those things, but if you've ever been around a crazy jet, and you've heard the sound barrier be broken, boom, boom, and it's the craziest thing, and you always hear it before you see it. As a matter of fact, you know the difference between just a passenger jet and a fighter jet, and it's because the sound is a little bit different. There's a power in that sound. When there's a high-speed train, and you live close to the tracks... You may get used to it, but it still makes a powerful sound, sound, sound. Sound makes a difference. And listen, you'll never change an environment unless you change the sound of the environment. Did you know that? We talked about this before, so for some of you, this is review. But if I want to change the environment of my home, I need to, to tone it down a bit. That's why I'm such a blessing to my wife so often because I get my kids riled up and we play and I'm going crazy. And Okay, it's time for bed. That, doesn't, that does not work. Like when I've wrestled and I'm ah, ding dong and doing all that thing, 
then, then it's time for bed. So I need to change the sound. I need to change the sound to change the environment to get them to go to bed. So the softer music. If you're trying to wake up in the morning and you got some depressing music on, it ain't going to work. There's certain pastors. I, I watch a lot of messages to feed my soul. And there's certain pastors that I watch in the morning. And there's certain pastors that I watch in the evening. Because some of them have a calm demeanor and a calm sound. And some of them have a, wow, get ready. That's the morning. That's the caffeine pastors. And the other one are a little bit calmer. Because there's a different sound. But there is a power in your sound. There's power of life and death in your tongues. And it automatically automatically is the sound that you make. And, and for some of us, I think this is the difficulty is, is we think, well, I've said good things. But if the sound doesn't line up with your heart, then eventually the truth's going to come out. And this is why. This is why. Jesus said, you brood vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil, when your hearts are hard, when you're far from me? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the one-liner that I want you to remember is your words or your sound reveals what your heart conceals. The truth is going to come out. The, our words reveal what our heart conceals. Our words reveal what our hearts conceal. And so I want to show you first the sound of death. Because I think it's important, and I think seeing it, seeing it, seeing the words of death, they're not necessarily positive, but lying doesn't seem like a, a, a sound, does it? It seems like just words. But I didn't put the verses up because I just want to reference them, but in Proverbs chapter 6, in these verses that I've referenced, it says there's six things that are detestable, no seven that the Lord hates. And the very beginning of it says a lying tongue. It calls it an abomination. And then at the end of those seven, it says lying again. So lying and lying. Why in the world would lying be such a big deal to the Lord? Why is this such a big thing? If you aren't familiar with our church, you may not be familiar with my way. But I try to be me. I try to give you me. I try to be honest and be open and transparent. Today is going to be no exception. So everything that I say, I'm not going to enjoy, but I'm going to be bold with it because I believe it's a charge from the Lord. I'm not really excited about everything that I have to say today because it's heavy. It's heavy. This part of the message is heavy. It's going to end good, but this part is heavy. Here's what I'm asking you to do in the next couple minutes is just, just open your heart up. Don't close this off because I believe this is for everybody. There's not a person under the sound of my voice, whether you're watching online or you're in this room, that has not done this. I don't care how good you think you are or how bad you think you are. We're all equal in this. We've all lied. Now, you may have lied this morning. I don't remember lying this morning, but I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to cause another lie. I don't remember lying. I think I've been telling the truth today. But this is what, this is, what is difficult about lying. In John chapter 8, and I'm not asking you to turn there, but in John chapter 8, Jesus is in this conversation with the Pharisees. And he says, you're speaking about, from your father's perspective, and I'm speaking from my father's perspective. John chapter 8 verse 44 says that the devil is the father of lies, and he's full of all deceit. There's nothing true that comes out of him. So in contrast, listen to this, in contrast, 
when it comes to truth. Jesus is actually described. It's not that he speaks the truth. He does. But there's more than that because he is the truth. He is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So, so not only does he speak truth, he is truth. That, that God the Father is full of truth. Nothing Nothing, nothing evil comes from his mouth. Nothing evil comes from his life. There's nothing but truth because he is truth. The reason that God hates the lie is because it is polar opposite of himself. The reason, this is where I'm going to get to preaching a little bit, so I need some people to talk to me. But this is going to step on everybody's toes, and I'm not apologizing. This has really been what, excuse me, let me try that again. This is really what's been sitting so heavy on my heart this week. Because I've always known what lying is, to say something other than the truth. But I've never considered it this way. John chapter 1, when we talked about the word, he is full of grace and truth. That is the essence of God. We've seen him in his glory. And so the reason that I lie in my life is because I've decided someplace in my heart that his truth is not enough for me. And I have to make you believe what I want you to believe about me. And so I skew it and change it in order for you to see me in a better light. There is no variation to that. You may think to yourself sitting in your chair or sitting at home or driving down the road listening to this. You may think to yourself, well, yeah, but the reason that I lied in this case. But I'm telling you, there's no separation. There's no change. And immediately when we see the word lie, we think, well, thank God I'm not fully lying about these things. But I want you to know that your enemy, the Bible says, can take the form of an angel of light. That he deceives with some truth and loves to add the truth to his lie so that we'll lean in and believe what is not true. He loves to fabricate the fact that he is not the truth, that he is the father of all lies, but he can make us believe that his lies are actually truth. He is the great deceiver. And the way that he loves to deceive is by masking it and covering it with things that feel good, with things that sound good, with things that look good. And we get deceived all the time. There's not a person in the world that does not at some level at some time get deceived. So the reason that I begin to lie in my life is because I've let deception creep into my life. The sound begins to change. I forget what we sung about at the very end. I forget the goodness of God because I start living in my present circumstances and I begin to speak against the things of God. I begin to speak against the people of God and I get to struggling in my life. I love this quote from Stephen King because I believe it describes every single one of us. Every single one of us. I believe our lives are a picture of this. Fiction is the truth inside the lie. Now, if you just read that, you may think that doesn't make any sense. But I think it makes a lot of sense for when it comes to my life and what I portray. Fiction is the truth. Let this sink in a little bit inside the lie. Here's what King says about writing a fiction, and he was, he's great at it. All of us have most likely have at least watched his movies. We may not have read his books. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but we've watched his movies. Leah's favorite is it. She hates clowns. You're welcome. That was a lie. You see what I did there? You're welcome. But here's, here's what he says is the goal of a fiction 
is to take a lie and to build up the characters and the things so much that you begin to believe all of the stuff is true. So much so that you feel like you're there and you feel like you're experiencing it. And by the end, our goal is that you actually believe that it's true. That you've talked yourself into believing it's true. I feel like our lives may even be one of those subtitles of a movie where it says, based on a true story. My life oftentimes is a fiction because what I do is I look at the circumstances of my life or I look at people that are doing things that are greater than what I'm doing. And I begin to say, that's not good enough, Mark. You've got to do more. I'm not happy and satisfied with where, what God's done, so I have to manipulate my way for people to believe that I'm greater than I actually am. So I begin to live a fiction because I begin to build this thing that is the truth that is inside of an actual lie. I begin to say things that are a little bit stretching, a little bit more, so that you can think of me as greater than I actually am. Let me tell you what this actually is and simplify it in these terms. Lying is always idol worship, but it's the idol of me. It's the idol of needing to be worshipped above me wanting you to be worshipping Jesus Christ, the only one that is truly worth lifting up and praising. Idol is, idolatry excuse me, is always taking God from the position of center of my life and replacing it with something else. We think to ourselves we don't really struggle with idols because we don't have these weird images and these golden statues in our home. Some of you might. I love you with the love of the Lord. If you do, that's weird. But like, you're welcome. But we all have idol worship. How do you know? Because lying is part of idol worship. Because I've replaced truth. Do you know that if we spoke the truth in love, as a people, as a capital C church and as Four Points Church, if truth is what came out of our mouths, if we spoke the truth even when it hurts, if we spoke the truth just because we know that God is the way, the truth, and the life, we're not going to replace his truth with our trying to make people feel better or trying to replace his truth with maybe they won't understand. All we need to do is point people to Jesus, but we're so concerned with that that we have to make believe and make up and make it stretch. No, God, God is looking for a remnant of people that will worship him in spirit and in truth and and we leave the truth part out because we think that that just means with all my heart it does mean that but there's something wrong with my heart there is a there is a heart issue when it comes to lying because out of the overflow of my heart my mouth speaks and for some of us we sit in our chairs and we think well thank God this isn't my struggle but this is what I've learned about me if any of the following, and I just picked some of them, words of death, and these are the sounds that we make that are death, come out of my mouth, and it's out of the root of lying or bitterness. Gossip and slander. Gossip can even be truth, y'all. But it's truth when I wasn't supposed to share it. And so if someone told me something in confidence, even if I tell you, most of the time, y'all, Talk to me in here. I'm not going to be just heavy the whole time. Most of the time, gossip includes this. Now, let's pray for them. Bless them, Lord. We're going to pray for these people. Now, I need to tell you about it, but we're going to pray for them, right? Slander is not the truth. Slander is similar to lying, but it's taking someone. It's what we call defamation of character. You can actually be sued for this. I've done this on accident. Can I be honest with y'all? This is when it's not always intention. This is when you can set out to have great intentions and be sounding like death. If, 
I remember, <laughs> I don't do this anymore because I got caught so many times doing stupid things. But I remember I'd read this thing and I'd get really upset in my heart. Pepsi denies Jesus, won't let employees ever have Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, share, this is terrible. And then you come to find out they never did it. That is called slander from me because I shared something. Well, it's not your fault. Someone else told you. Listen, everything that's on the internet ain't true, everybody. <laughs> so as soon as you shares it, everything that's on your news channels ain't true. Everything that certain powerful people tweet, that's, that's free. It's not true. Some of it is true. If I take it all for true, I'm thinking that they're the source of truth. There is one good source of truth. It's called the Word of God. Everything in it is true. There's no variation or churning. There is no change to it. If you want to find the basis of truth, go to the Word of God. Go to the Lord Jesus. Pray. Seek Him. Seek His faith. That is how you'll know the truth. But as soon as I go away from that, slander and then sowing discord. The Bible actually calls it sowing, not just discord. Discord is me, is me stirring up conflict. If you have an argumentative spirit, I love to debate. You can debate without arguing in that tone, in that hatred, in that I have to be right or I will tear you apart. This is what that is. It causes disunity, which is exactly opposite of God's plan. When the Spirit of God moved in Acts chapter 2, it says, the Bible says, before the Spirit of God fell, before the power of God came on them, before the tongues of fire and the fire from heaven, before the 3,000 were saved and baptized, before all of that, it says that they were together in one accord. That does not mean a big old Honda. That was better than y'all are laughing. Come on. It means that they were unified together, which means there was a lack or a ceasing, no more discord and gossip and slander. Why do we not see powerful moves of God? Lying, slander, gossip, discord. And then filthy language and cursing can kind of be combined. They're not exactly the same. We know what those things are. It's not just cuss words, so don't simplify it to just that. It's crude language. It's crude joking. It certainly can be cussing, but a curse is something far deeper than a cuss word. It is to speak ill about another. Let me tell you why this is so powerful and so important. James chapter 3 says that blessing and cursing can't go into the same water. James 3, talking about the tongue and taming the tongue, says you can't have blessing and cursing. The enemy wants to get some of the truth in you and some of the lie in you so that eventually I'll find this place in my heart and go, what's wrong? I, I, just, I just don't like those. They wronged me, but I hate them. Why did Jesus say, pray for those who per bless those that persecute you? Why in the world would he say that? Because he loves you. Because he wants the blessed life for you. I am not talking about your house or your car right now. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus' fullest life that he offers you. The reason that most of us have the issues that we have in our life is because we have spoken them about others and we receive what we give out. I'm glad one person thinks I'm preaching good today. I'm just going to say some things right now that I really feel like the Lord has given me to say. Many of us wonder why there's ailments on our homes, why there's difficulties on our homes, and it's because of what sound actually is. Sound is a vibration that continues and continues and continues until it has a receptacle for it to hit. 
Many of us have spoken death in our homes, and there's a sound of cursing in our homes. We speak so ill of each other, and we wonder why we receive death coming to our homes. It's because we haven't remembered that the blood has covered our doorposts if we're followers of Jesus. And so we speak against people that speak against us. That does not mean that we don't stand for the truth. There are things in this world that we should say, I'm with God on this one, and I will not back down. I will not be afraid, and I will not be silent. However, that does not mean I curse them. It means I stand in the truth in love. That love part is one thing that we're really good at keeping out. Come on, somebody. We're really good at keeping that out of our, out of our language and out of our sound. Because on one hand, you have people that will speak the truth, but it's so harsh that it's death. And then on the other hand, we have people that are silent. And I'm telling you right now, silence has a tone. If you live with somebody that doesn't like to speak, you should have said amen right there and said, I agree with you, pastor. Silence has a tone. The church is silent or harsh. There is no, there is no bridge building, kingdom building because of this. There may be people in your life that you know that have filthy language and cursing that seem like they're blessed, but eventually cursing will beget cursing. It will come back. And then unbelief doesn't seem like a tone or doesn't seem like a sound, but it's ultimately, it's ultimately from the root of doubt, which is what it actually means, and it's a bitter place that I've let creep in because of the lies of the enemy. I've begun to believe that my circumstances are my end. I don't believe that what Jesus said about me is true. I believe what everybody else has said. I believe what you have said. You have defined my life. I let every offense come against me. Therefore, I'm defensive. Every time that I speak, I speak out of this hurtful place. I remember the things that I should not remember. I should choose to not bring them back up in my life. There's some things that you cannot forget, but there's some things that I should choose to not bring up. And if regret and hurt and shame, and fear, and doubt are all the places that I'm bringing up, then unbelief is what's going to be what comes out. That is the one thing in my life that keeps me from God. That's the one thing, person, that's never met Jesus, that if you die with unbelief in your heart, if you die with a lack of conviction of who Jesus Christ is and what he did on the cross, that he rose again, that he loved you, that he's named you as his son or daughter, if you'll receive him, then I'll live in eternity separated from him because I chose to believe something that was different. Sound continues and it's a wave. Sound is the thing that I can't get away from. And this is what I want you to know about sound. This is what I thought was so fascinating. There's a study done years ago and people have added to it about the power of sound. The man's name that wrote a book and is the leading expert is... Emoto, Dr. Emoto, he came from Japan. He now has clinics in America. His study was done on water. Your body is made up of 65 to 70% water. His, his study was to see that if harsh words and sound was spoken, this seems so crazy, but it's an amazing study, into water, what would happen? It was microscopic, but they could see that the water actually changed both positive sound and words and negative sound and words. It changed to malformed and malformations 
when harsh sounds were happening, when death words were happening. They could see that the formation of the, of the body of water was actually changing and also in the positive end it was changing. In your life, when you let out harshness and tones that are death, and, and death, I mean, and even in this, you can sound really sweet and syrupy but be telling a fiction tale because out of the overflow of your heart and out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth will speak and my sound will come out eventually. And if that is true, listen, cancer places have, have changed their philosophies because they know that sound matters that much. And so they're not going to let harsh things be spoken because they know there's power and there's healing. I'm about to show you that and it's going to get real good when it comes to sound. Here's what I need you to know is I love everything about that, but they've, they've left out one part. If you just have that, I believe there's truth in it. But the whole truth is that Jesus is the backbone and the basis for that sound. The kingdom is where that sound comes from. It changes everything. You can have a kingdom mindset and miss the king and not be fully in the kingdom world. And that's what I believe that most people miss. And so what is the problem and where do we miss it? Last week, we talked about what Paul said. He said, I remember you. And then in verse 5 of, of 2 Timothy chapter 1, he said, your grandmother and your mother have prayed for you. And then he says this, for this reason I remind you to fan the flame, fan, fan into, the, into flame the gift. For some of you it's just a spark right now, the gift of God that he's putting you, but I need you to hear this before I move on. There is a gift inside of every follower of Jesus. And the reason that so many of us sound like death and lie about what we're doing, and lie, and, and sow discord, and jealousy, and, and we have fits of rage, and we have all these things in our life, is because we have no clue what our gift is. And it is obvious when someone is operating in their gift. It is obvious. I'm just going to tell you, this is what, you and I had this conversation last night, and you didn't know I was thinking about this, Leah. When Tiger Woods was doing his thing in the 2000s, he practiced a lot. He had a great work ethic. But I'm just going to tell y'all, if I hit 10,000 golf balls every day, I'm not going to be Tiger Woods. Because there was a gift that God had put in him. So if, you, if you're jealous and you want to be him, you fail to understand that God put something in you. And then there's gifts that are even deeper of wisdom and of healing and of these certain things that is not you doing it. It's the gift of God that he put in you. And the reason that so many of us fail to, do, to understand is because we don't, we don't fan into the flame and see it become life and see it grow. And so we want someone else's gift and we're not willing to go through what it takes to get our, our gift exposed to things and open to things and educated to things. We just sit in our seat and we feel sorry for ourselves. So here's what we do. And this is me speaking out of guilt, but I'm thankful that the Lord has changed my heart. We look at people that are on TV that are operating in a gift similar to ours. And we're critical in our spirit. I bet they're, I bet they, you know they. No, actually, I don't. I've never met them. So when I would speak against them, what I was saying is, I'm choosing to have the tone of death. And even if I had good intentions, and I promise you I did, I was still sowing discord in the kingdom. And Paul says, listen, here's how we can shift something. Timothy, you, my disciple, my follower, who's following in my footsteps and will carry the banner 
I remind you to fan the flame of God, which happened when I laid my hands on you. I activated that. And then watch this. This is it. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but power. Everybody say power. Love and a sound mind or self-control. I just want to hit these two real quick. Love is not specifically talking about God type love. Love is the, this is the affectionate, the, the kind hearted, the back and forth, the unifying love that we should have brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister in the body of, of Christ. That when you want to know how to be kind to people that you don't really like, that it's a spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then self-control is an interesting one because so often what we try to do is fix the problem and we never look back at our heart. We never evaluate the fact that I must not be able to just fix my actions and my words, that cursing and, and lying and those kind of things, I may not be able to just put my mind to it. There may be a deeper issue here because my self-control is your fault, is my fault if I'm not doing it, but it can't be fixed just by checking a box and putting my mind to it. There must be something deeper. There must be a problem that I'm not looking at. It must be rooted in fear. It must be rooted in shame. It must be rooted in something that is far lower. And if the Lord gave us his spirit and the spirit of God gives us power and the spirit of life and the spirit of love and the spirit of self-control, there must also be a spirit of fear. Can I tell you this this morning before I finish with something really awesome? I, I believe what most of us have missed is the fact that what we battle is not flesh and blood, but principalities and darkness. And whenever I'm fighting a spirit battle with my own brain, I will always err on the side of death. I will always think that I can overcome, even if I'm talking myself into it, but my sound will eventually sound like death because I cannot fight the weakest spirit on my own and there is a I don't think Paul just woke up and said you know what I'm just going to say the Lord didn't give us a spirit of fear because there's none of that there is absolutely a spirit of fear there's absolutely spirits in this where one third of the angels fell and all of them want our destruction they can't have us but they will bring things in our lives when you've wondered in your life why are these things coming to me it's because they bring evil my way but God works all of those things with the good together Together, don't forget that it's the together part that makes it good. God is using that and using this together. And so when I define myself by this, I fail to remember who God is in my life. And so I let the spirit of fear overwhelm my life. Whenever there's a spirit that has attacked you and attached to you, and you try to fight it off by doing good things, by thinking if you just read your Bible for 10 hours, and you fall succumb. Some of you have been in addictions your whole life and you said, why is this the case? Because you've never fought spirit with spirit. You've fought, you fought spirit with good behavior and thought, and thought that you could get out after 10 years in your jail with good behavior. That is not the case in the spiritual world. There has to be a supernatural awakening of your heart because it's hardened. And I'm not saying it's your fault that it came. I'm saying it's your fault that you opened your heart up and let it sit there. That you made it a home. 
that you put some nice shrubs outside of it and let it have some time to stay, that you watered those shrubs and you made sure that it kept staying and you thought that by coming to church or by doing certain things, and if I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me today. But the Lord gave me a spirit of power and I'm about to preach. So y'all watch this paint because it's fixing to come off. Power. Why do I not believe that I can look at a mountain and tell it to move and it will move? Why do I have unbelief? Why in my life do I need to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief? Power. Because I don't necessarily believe that the spirit of power that the Holy Spirit put in me is true. The word for power is where we get the word dynamite. It's the word dunamis. I think that's fascinating that it's where we get dynamite. This is not a power like when you plug in a 110 volt. It, it, it's not something simple. It's not, it's not even your transformer outside of your house. This is the word that we get miracle from every time the word miracle is in the New Testament. Every time it says Jesus did many signs and wonders or miracles, it's the word dunamis and the same word that he put in you. The Bible says that the same power dunamis that raised Christ from the dead is now in me. But I don't believe that because I believe the things that are lies in my life. I believe what the enemy is whispering into my ear. I believe all of the hurt and the death in my life. So I don't believe that when I speak that things can move. I don't believe that I am the one that God called to my situation, that I have spoken again. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Instead of I am the difference, God planted me in my job, in my neighborhood, in my circumstance so that I could be the difference maker. Why? Because the power of life and death lies in my tongue. But much deeper than that, it lies within me. Because it's not me, it's the Lord Jesus in me. But we don't come in one accord, do we? We come in our own way, making sure our fiction looks good, making sure that we've, we've sewn it in such a way that people believe it. And the end is destruction, and we look around and go, oh my gosh, how did they fall? How did that happen? Because we all will fall without the Lord. Because we all love to put off what we're not and not put on what we are. Because the Lord has clothed me in his glory and honor and his righteousness and in his name's sake. But I want to make sure that you believe what I want you to believe about me. So I will do everything and anything that I can to make sure that you believe what I want you to believe about me. And it's killing everybody around me. But I don't even consider the things of the Lord. And all I have to stop and do in my life is remember. Just remember. Just remember who he is. Just remember what he's called me from, death to life. Just remember what he's called me from, hopelessness to hope. Just remember what he's called me from, that rejection, that shame, that abuse that you went through as a child, whatever it is in your life. And remember that he put inside of me the spirit of power. I'm telling you this. I really believe that the reason we don't see mighty works of God is not because we can't. Because listen to me, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus that is left for us. Jesus said, it's better if I go. And he is not, he is not like our power that comes in waves. He does not have a heartbeat. He is constant, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's only how we receive him that is not constant. If there was ever a group of people that would rise up and say, I don't understand this. 
I'm frustrated. I am physically hurting. I am spiritually hurting. I am emotionally hurting. I, am, I don't get everything that's going on. I am confused in my body and my mind and my soul. But I remember you. I remember what you did. I remember how you loved me when I was still a sinner, and I call on you. I know that you're never, ever, ever changing. Listen to me. We never have to pray that a revival comes. The revivals come, and his name is the Spirit of the living God, and he lives inside of us. What we need to pray is that we'll turn back to the power and to the love and to the self-control that is in us and not believe the lies and not speak the death, but begin to speak life, begin to speak love, begin to speak hope. And to begin to look like a people of one accord, in one love, in one hope, with one church. It's not about your pastor, and it never will be. It's about God. It's about what Jesus did. It's about that Jesus loves you and he's named you. And we will never see God do great things just by trying harder. I can fabricate a move of God, but eventually people will know it. But you're the move of God. You are the difference maker. You're what this world's been waiting on. You're what this world's been waiting on. You're what your neighborhood, your school, your life's been waiting on. You. And I want to close with this verse. God is spirit. And those who worship must worship him in spirit and in truth. No lie. No variation. No putting on a happy face. No trying. Just that raw, real emotion. I want you to know in this room that I believe everybody was affected, but I don't know if anybody will respond. But I believe there needs to be a response today. And here's what I want your response to be. Not, God, I hope my husband's listening. God, I hope my family's listening for you. Right where you sit. Is the sound that you're making the sound that is spirit and truth? Because what God's looking for is not a really cool sacrifice where you look good. It's not a mission trip around the world. It's a mission trip at your work. It's living on purpose every day. It's worshiping him in spirit and in truth around the water cooler instead of telling those nasty jokes. But you cannot do it just by trying harder. You have to do it by giving your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus Christ. He's the only difference in this world. I will never make the difference that God's called me to do as long as I try really hard. But if I give it my all, if I give in my heart and life, if I open my life up and say, I'm following you, I don't care what people think, I don't care what this thing looks like, I'm following you. You can have all of me. Then we'll change the world. Listen to me. You will change the world. But friends, I believe there's a group in here that don't know Jesus. And this is all that it means. I will not believe the lie anymore. I will not be ashamed anymore. I will stand and I will follow Jesus Christ. I will give him my life. He died for me. He lived for me. And he loves me. And he offers you a place with him right now. And that's the opportunity that you have. Don't you let anything keep you back, friend, because I know that the enemy lies in your ears every single week and says you can't do it, you shouldn't do it, you did that when you were six. But if you know in your heart that it wasn't legit, it wasn't real, and you didn't give him your whole heart and life, then don't you let anything keep you back. 
I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward because I believe that there's many people that need to make this their altar as we sing our final song and say, Jesus, we're going to see a move of God take place. If you stay in your seats, I love you. But I believe if God is pulling on your heart and you know that the sound that you're making is not the sound of heaven, then I'm asking everybody to get up and move. And here's what I'm asking you to do if you don't know Jesus. You see the people at the front. I know there's people in this room that are far from God that don't know him. I want you to grab somebody right now that's up here. Come right here and say, I need Jesus. They will walk with you and they will help you meet him for the very first time. Will you stand? Jesus, we give you ourselves. What we do is we don't offer a sacrifice of an animal. We don't offer a sacrifice of certain things. We offer you ourselves as living sacrifices. It's our goal that the sound that comes out of our mouths is a sound from heaven and a change takes place and revival sweeps this land and on Easter Sunday and then the Sundays all around us next Sunday, every Sunday that we celebrate who Jesus is in this place but God if lies are coming out of our mouth then no one's going to know what the truth is God let our truth, let our yes be yes and our no be no God we believe that you are the revival that the world is waiting on that revival is here and that when you stir it up inside of us that nothing can stop us nothing will hinder the growth and the change that you have for this community. Lord, what you've called for change in our upstate of South Carolina isn't a new kind of idea. You're the idea. I want a 2,000-year-old idea to be what sweeps this nation and sweeps this place, Lord, because you're the idea. So we fall on our face, Lord, and we cry out to you, Abba, Father, change our hearts, not our lips. Our lips will be changed when our hearts are changed. We confess before you, Lord, that we desperately need you, and now we come and we bow before you. We so desperately need a touch from our Savior. Jesus, you are awesome. Your name is the one that is high and lifted up. And we call these things out to you because you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you come?